Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. December 3rd, 2020, Roller Martin Unfiltered, broadcasting live from Georgia. We are today, John Osoff held a rally here with Kennesaw State University students. Uh, we will show you some of that rally. We'll hear from him as well as some of the folks who were here. Also, uh, Vice President-elect Kamala Harris has chosen her chief of staff. We'll tell you exactly who she is. In North Carolina, why is a prosecutor trying to get a black man removed from the county, saying he's a threat to the community? Really? That's how we now rolling? Okay. Gotcha. Also, folks, uh, we've been joined on today's show by Raheem Devon. Has a new uh, work out. Look forward to that conversation as well. Uh, COVID continues to be a problem uh, in this country. We'll talk about that uh, on today's show uh, as well. Plus, uh, we'll talk Kyle Rittenhouse ordered to stand trial for the death of two people who he shot in Kenosha, Wisconsin, uh, in the aftermath of the George Floyd uh, murder. Folks, it is time to bring the funk on Roland Martin Unfiltered from the Peach State. Let's go. He's got it. Whatever the miss, he's on it. Whatever it is, he's got the scoop, the fact, the fine. And when it breaks, he's right on time. And it's rolling. 
Folks, we're here in Georgia where the Senate runoff is in full swing. Monday is the deadline to register to vote uh, in the January 5th runoff. John Ossoff faces incumbent David Perdue. Uh, Pastor Raphael Warnock faces a senator incumbent, uh, Kelly Leffler. And so it has been a knockdown, dragout battle already, uh, and it will intensify even more so. Uh, we're here at Grace uh uh, Christian Community Church, uh, where John Ossoff held a rally today uh, with some students from Kennesaw State University. It was organized by NAACP leaders on that campus. Uh, it was a socially distanced uh, event held here, right here in the parking lot uh, of the church, just right behind us. Uh, and during his speech, he talked about motivating young folks to vote and talked about how he was inspired to public service when he worked for Congressman John Lewis. Can y'all hear me all the way in the back out there? Y'all can hear me out the way out here? You look beautiful. I know we're spread out. I appreciate it. We're taking care of each other. Everyone just take a deep breath. Kind of look around. This is democracy in action. Right now, the eyes of the whole nation are on Georgia. And I've been through it with my team a thousand ways. And the bottom line is that victory in Georgia comes down to young people in Georgia. And that means that the eyes of the whole nation are on young people in Georgia. That means the eyes of the whole nation are on you. The eyes of the whole nation are on us. And the stakes could not be higher. We're living in the midst of a tragedy, a crisis. More than a quarter of a million Americans killed by a virus that our leaders told us was no deadlier than the flu. Y'all heard him. Y'all heard Senator Perdue back in the springtime. He said the risk was low. He said the impact on our economy would be little. All the while, he was buying up stock and makers of vaccines and medical equipment, looking after himself while he opposed relief for ordinary people. That's not right. We're living in the midst of a crisis, and in order to get out of this crisis, we need Joe Biden and Kamala Harris to be able to get things done. We can't let Mitch McConnell do to them what he tried to do to President Obama. And this is bigger than COVID-19, y'all. If you're wondering what you've been feeling in your hearts for these last four weeks, Maybe for the first time in four years. That's called hope. My first exposure to public service, as Daniel said, as a very, very young man working for John Lewis. And John Lewis taught about what he called the beloved community. This is a society where we recognize that racism and violence and poverty. They're not given. They're not necessary. They're foolish. Violence and racism and poverty are a failure of imagination. The only thing that stands in our way is corruption. We can have a clean, beautiful, healthy planet 
We can ban plastic waste. We can end the destruction of our climate. We can make historic investments in clean and renewable energy. All of this is up to us. KSU, all of this is up to us. All of this is up to you. All of this is up to Georgia's young people. I don't think that what we're asking for is that complicated. Can we live in a society where every single American has access to affordable housing and health care, education without debt, a living wage? Don't we deserve that as people, as human beings, as Americans? Don't we deserve equal justice under the law, no matter the color of our skin, no matter how much money we have, no matter who we know? Don't we deserve that as Americans? When this rally was over, he chatted with the media and took some questions. Historically, young voters, it's been hard to turn them off or turn them out, especially in, in runoff races. What are you doing differently from, uh, from past Georgia Democratic campaigns to make sure they come out? Massive youth organizing. We're running a huge community organizer program to bring lots of young folks directly into the campaign, recruiting volunteers, campus events. And look, COVID-19 has turned the lives of young people upside down. There's also a bigger picture here, criminal justice reform, a new civil rights act, a new voting rights act, raising the minimum wage, action on the environment. These are all issues of vital concern to young people. And we're communicating that action on these issues requires victory in Georgia. How do you see the Republican resistance to the election results playing out for you? Do you think it's a help to your campaign that Republicans are openly debating whether they're going to I see it as an open attack on the voting rights of black Americans in Georgia. Because when Lindsey Graham, for example, calls Georgia's Secretary of State and says, why don't you just throw out some legally cast ballots and throw this state for the president, what he means is, why don't you disenfranchise black voters in Georgia? It cannot stand. The attacks on voting rights are unacceptable. and. It's why we need a new Voting Rights Act to secure the franchise for all Americans. Carolina, go ahead. Um, you are going to be on the debate stage against an empty podium on, at this point on Sunday night. How are you preparing for this? Well, I'll be debating on Saturday, and David Perdue is pleading the fifth. He obviously doesn't believe he can defend his gross misconduct. And let me just say this for everybody. David Perdue's defense at this point now amounts to the fact that he was not criminally indicted. The fact that he was not prosecuted by the Department of Justice does not clear him of wrongdoing. He has been lying all year. How many reporters, how many news organizations received indignant statements on the record from David Perdue or his spokespeople denying that he managed his own stock portfolio? It was a federal grand jury subpoenaing banking records that found out he does, in fact, order trades himself. So he can brag about how he's not been prosecuted criminally for his misconduct. It doesn't make it any less wrong. And the people of Georgia are fed up with his corruption and Kelly Leffler's. Hey, Mr. Roland, Mr. Roland. Roland. Hey, 
Can we go to Jayla and then we'll go to Let Rowan? me get rolling real quick. Then we'll go, right. Yeah. One of the one of the big issues Democrats don't typically do well with runoff elections. Uh, are you micro-targeting areas where there was weak turnout in the general, uh, especially African Americans and young voters, uh, in hitting those cities and, and trying to get them to turn out? Uh, because that's really going to be the key. This is a turnout race, pure and simple. This is all about energizing grassroots enthusiasm to get out to the polls. And what I said in my remarks, the story in Georgia is very straightforward. You got the young Jewish son of an immigrant running alongside a black preacher who holds Dr. King's pulpit, building a movement for health, jobs, and justice for the people, running against the two most notoriously corrupt members of the U.S. Senate. And it is absolutely about inspiring people out to the polls, defending voting rights for black Americans, and making sure that everybody understands the stakes of this election. Thank you. So there's a Florida attorney that is trying to get people to register to vote in Georgia that don't actually live here. What are some of your thoughts about people that are trying to get that to happen, trying, trying to sway this vote? This election is for Georgia residents only, and I denounce the conduct of that Republican official in Georgia. And we're going to make sure that we're empowering Georgians to vote in this election and to decide the outcome. Mr. Ossoff, given that Joe Biden was able to turn this state from uh, Republican red to Democrat blue, what kind of pressure do you personally feel if you're not able to do the same and turn this from a moment into a movement? Well, we are turning this into a movement. I mean, look at the young people out here today sticking around in this parking lot. Y'all feel it? Yeah. Yeah. We are turning this into a movement. This is a movement for health, jobs, and justice being led by two Democratic candidates who are the face of the New South, building a multiracial, multi-generational coalition that demands better for the people, that rejects the flagrant corruption of politicians like David Perdue and Kelly Leffler. And we recognize the stakes. They're going to try to do to Biden and Harris just like they tried to do to President Obama. We can't afford that in a crisis, not when the stakes are this high. So we are getting out the vote like never before, and the young people who are here today are going to power that effort through to victory on January 5th. And everybody remember, December 14th is the first day of early voting. I appreciate y'all. All right. Thanks, Thanks everyone for coming out. Thank you. The person who put it all together is Madison Potts. She is the president of the Kennesaw State University NAACP chapter. Our vote is our voice, and students have the power. I recognize in this last election that we really turned Georgia blue, and it's important that we use our power and we use our voice and that we do everything that we can to mobilize and not just go out and vote, but we bring our friends, that we text, that we phone bank, and that we use our power in, in every way that we can to be sure that we um, support candidates that are for our causes. And now, of course, uh, within your capacity, NAACP, uh, that's separate because the NAACP does not yeah. endorse candidates. Yeah. So as you as an individual who's doing yeah. so. Yeah. Uh, and one of the things that uh, that John Ossoff has talked about, Raphael Warnock, really trying to get young voters to step out. Uh, and and there are several different areas in the state where black turnout was not strong. Uh, what about that, trying to get to those folks to make them understand why the runoff matters? So in terms of reaching out to black voters and young voters, I think it's important to meet them where they're at. So that's why we're so happy to be even be able to be at Grace Community Christian Church today 
day and to reach out to students and bring them to this location because it's great to have events out in the city, but we got to meet students where they're at and recognize that and help them to see that there's power in their vote and help them to see that candidates care about their concerns. All right, Matthew, we appreciate it. Thank you so much. Right, thanks so much. Actress Lynn Whitfield starred, of course, in Greenleaf on the First Lady of the Church. So it was only fitting that she would be out here uh, to speak on behalf of John Ossoff. Uh, after she uh, addressed the crowd here, she and I had an opportunity to chat about politics. I'm Lynn Whitfield. Hello, Roland Martin. Uh, now, uh, it's not uncommon for you to be sitting in front of a church, First Lady. because we're out here, the NAACP and Kennesaw University pulled together this rally uh, of young people, people who have just registered to vote, people who have been in the streets protesting and about to do the greatest protest of all, which is to have their voice heard through the vote. Because these young people are the people who are going to keep everybody honest once we vote them in. And I'm in Georgia, the epicenter of everything right now. A month out from the next election, and um, it's very exciting. These kids, your, your brothers were up there stepping, and the students are out here very excited and very engaged. So I'm very, very happy about where we are right now, but we have so much work to do. Now, for the folks out there who don't know, who don't realize, uh, you are a political junkie. Oh! Let me tell y'all something. When I, when I was at CNN, Lynn used to be texting me when I was on the air. Bro, the same thing. Same thing. I'm like, Lynn, I'm working. What you doing? I don't text you at work. No, but really, though, because Roland, throughout his time, throughout your time, you have spoken for our community clearly. And I had access to you when I was so upset about what they were doing and how they were making Sarah Palin a star. That, this was in 2008, and you helped me to understand how it works, because I did exactly what you said, you know? So I just want to thank you, and y'all, we all need to thank him, because he is always on the front line, no matter what. You're on the front line for our community, and I so appreciate you. A lot of people don't want to hear celebrities talk about politics, uh, but... I don't but, but you also don't care because uh, you have always been actively involved in not just the election, but also the election is over. Yeah, well, you know what, Roland? It, it, it's not about celebrity. I mean, I just come as a citizen. I come because, you know, my mother is 89 years old and my daughter is still a millennial. I come because I really love this country and I really am so upset about what has been happening over the last four years. So I'm not coming with any authority of my career. I come with the commitment of like, I just want to be involved in rolling up my seeds and helping. I mean, look at my, I made this. <laughs> I made that, my vote fashion, y'all. I made, I made, you know what I mean? I just love America. This is a cool spot, and it has to be shared. So I'm not coming like a celebrity, you know. I just come like a, a Baton Rouge homegirl. <laughs>
Well, speaking of that, it's a mayoral election in Baton Rouge on Saturday. I know. And the sister's trying to get reelected. I know. We're sending some stuff down, and we had a, a campaign event vir virtual birthday for her, and they're trying to, all kinds of shenanigans. I mean, you know, I don't know what they're doing because she knows I'd be there if she needed me. But uh, we're going to do some more virtual stuff. Okay. Yes. All right, then. Yeah. It's always a pleasure chatting with you. It's Glad such to a... see you out here uh, standing up on behalf of John Ossoff and Raphael Warnock. Yes, indeed. They are great men, and they will be great senators. So I'm excited. All right. Thanks a bunch. All right. I thank you. It. I can't even. Let me get to this. <laughs> I appreciate you. Okay. All right. I had a chance to talk with some uh, other young folks out here, including a father who brought his two children out. They can't vote yet, but he wanted them to come out to this rally uh, so they could understand how important politics is to African Americans. What's your name? Jackson Smith. Jackson Smith? Yes. All right. My daughter, Leslie Smith. My son, Jackson Smith. All right. So who's, el who's eligible voter? Me. Just you? He's coming. He's coming? <laughs> but so, me. So, but, but, but you made a point to make sure to bring the yes. brown here. That's why? why I came. Exposure. Exposure. Uh, just to see all the students, young people who care, who care and want to be out here themselves. So that, that mainly was it. Yeah. You, you wish y'all could vote this election? <laughs> <laughs> How old are you? 14. 14? 17. 17. Oh, see, you bet almost. Oh, almost there. He almost <laughs> made the cut. Almost made the cut. Almost made the cut. Right. Uh, what's the most important issues uh, for both of you that you want to hear these candidates uh, address? Oh. Don't look at her. I'm, I asked you. I guess, like, the minimum wage. So I'm going to get a job soon, so seeing that That's go up would be good. Yeah. Helped me a lot. So I take it you want $15 an hour? I mean, I wouldn't. I'm not going <laughs> to no. I got you. I got you. How about you? Uh, I don't really know. Well, there's got to be one thing that you care about, even though you're 14. Money. Yeah, money. <laughs> right. Okay. Minimum wage going up. You can get a job soon. Yeah, I'm gonna get a job soon. Well, you got four years before you can vote, so right. so I'll give you a little slack there. So, all, right. <laughs> all right, then. Well, good seeing y'all. Thank you. All right, then. Okay, let's talk. Let's see who else I want to talk to. All right, yo. Okay, seriously. Seriously. <laughs> it is not that cold. It is not that cold. This is not Chicago or Minneapolis. All right, then. So, uh, what brought y'all out here? Uh, well, I'm a part of KSU's NAACP. Right. My friend Madison, she's president, so I came out for support, gained more knowledge, and just be a part of the movement. Are you, do, you, are, do you believe that these candidates, Osaka and Warnock, are speaking to the issues that you care about? Yeah. Them coming out here alone is spoken of, you know, just coming out here. Like she said before, like, you know, traveling is fine, but for people to be able to come out here, in close uh, proximity to us, it, it really does matter, and you actually get more of an uh, outcome with everyone being here and everything. How about you? Uh, yes, I believe that um, them coming out is definitely helping me more knowledge, knowing that they um, are representing more for the black community and also for college students. Like, that's everything that I am right now, so um, I do appreciate them coming out and just me um, getting that more information. Yeah.
So I've said this here. That, so if you look at the numbers, millennials and Gen Z has a larger group of the population than baby boomers. And uh, I, I've had some folks who are millennials and Gen Z tweet me. They say, well, uh, uh, I wish you older voters didn't do this, this, this. My response is, if you don't vote, you're actually letting somebody else make the choice. So in your conversations with your peers who have said, voting's irrelevant, I don't care, all the candidates are the same, it's a waste of time. How, first of all, have you heard that? And then how have you responded to them? Um, okay, for me, with my grandfather being heavily involved with like civil rights uh, movements and everything, like in his time when he was younger and was able to move around, for me, it's just like, I was raised into it, so it's like, it's just second nature. But my main response for that is, it's like, we have so many people fight for us to get this right, get this opportunity. Um, why sit here, like, why just sit on it? Even if you feel like it doesn't matter, you have the opportunity, you have the right, go out and vote, get it done. And, you know what I'm saying, exercise your right. That's the main thing. We had so many people fight for it, so I don't understand why anybody would just sit around and not do it. Any of these conversations, do you turn into arguments? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For sure. And, I mean, honestly, I'm not I'm the type of person, I, I don't really like arguments, but I do get my point across. So when I do talk to my friends and stuff, I'm like, yes, it's important. This is why. Because they don't really come to me. They take, tell me their reasoning, but I'm like, like she said, it doesn't hurt. They only help. So we got, we got that voice, so why not use it? All right, folks, let's go to our Thursday panel. Erica Savage-Wilson, Georgia native, host of Savage Politics Podcast, Reese Colbert, Black Women Views, and my frat brother, Dr. Greg Card, chair of the Department of Afro-American Studies at Howard University. Folks, what's happening? Hey. Hey, Roland. Hello, Roland. Good to see you. All right, Erica, I'll, Erica, Erica, I'll start... That's right. Well, that's why we're here. Eric, I want to start with you. We're, we're in your native state. Um, look, Republicans are in disarray. Uh, you got some folks saying uh, don't cast votes. Others still, Donald Trump still yelling voter fraud. But the key is going to be turnout, turnout, turnout. That was the question that I, I put to John Ossoff. Raphael Warnock knows that as well. And there are, there, there are a lot of black folks, uh, in the, for instance, in the metro Atlanta area, there were 100,000 people who voted for Joe Biden over Donald Trump who skipped the Ossoff race. And so this, it was important for him to be out of here talking to these black students because he really has to connect with black voters. Democrats need both of these seats in order to force a 50-50 tie in the Senate. Vice President-elect Kamala Harris will break that tie. Uh, and so it's all going to come down to can they bring out young people, bring out African-Americans to put them over the top? Absolutely, Roland. So glad that you're in the home state of Georgia. You know, one of the things that is critically important as well, you talked about the young turnout, is that the AU Center is right here in the heart of Metro Atlanta and that some of those students will not be on campus. You have a small percentage of students that will remain on campus. But for those students who need to either cast an absentee ballot or they're going to be voting in person, they need to know how to do that properly. So the ones that will be casting absentee ballots, they need to know that in the third section of that secure ballot that they absolutely need to make sure that wherever they're going to be homesteading away from school, that they make sure that they put that address in that box.
But the only way that they'll be able to know that is that if they have a candidate that's out pushing, letting him know what his platform is, and also advising why it's important for them to get out and either cast that vote by absentee or cast that vote in um, in um, in person. Also, I just want to give a shout out to my hometown of Albany, Georgia, where John Ossoff was a few weeks ago. So what he talked about his platform, he's running on health, he's running on justice, and he's running on jobs. That is a message that is very much so needed in Georgia. When you look at um, Georgia um, across the United States, had one of the fifth most uh, poor congressional districts within the state. So him getting out that message, talking to students, imploring them why it is important that they turn out and what their turnout is going to mean for the state, that the 400 bills that lie at the feet of Mitch McConnell will actually, if they go ahead and move forward, and we do pick up these additional two Senate seats, will actually move them into reality instead of sitting at the graveyard. So for that work that he's doing, that he has been taking off since the beginning of November and has continued to move nonstop, that he's talking to people across the state of Georgia, particularly in metro Atlanta and in rural counties, um, definitely is something that is going to help the one million already absentee ballots that have been requested increase. And then we will see on December the 14th and January 5th what those turnout numbers will look like. Yep. Reese, you saw, uh, of course, Osaf. He's been hitting David Perdue hard. Perdue has been lying about those stock trades. He has financially benefited from COVID-19. He is refusing to debate John Osaf on Saturday because he got nailed in the last debate. And so he said, what the hell? I'm not even going to do that. Uh, and so you're seeing the line of attack. Both Osaf and Warnock are going after Leffler and Perdue. Again, for them, uh, trading stocks, making money in the middle of this pandemic when so many Georgians and other Americans have been hurting. Absolutely. I'm loving the brass knuckles tactics between those two. But I think it's also really helpful to them because you have Republicans in Georgia, people like Linwood and Sidney Powell, that are actually doing the work of suppressing or depressing Republican enthusiasm for these two particular candidates, saying that they should, you know, not vote until we figure out what's going on with Georgia and the voting and trying to delegitimize the elections, which has the impact of deterring Republican voters more so than it does Democratic voters. And so they're really getting hit by all sides. So I think it's really important to hammer home that message. I don't know how much necessarily converts voters, but it certainly does have a deterrence impact. And that's something that Republicans have really figured out, is how to deter higher propensity Democratic or even lower propensity Democratic voters through attacks, through personal attacks. So it actually works. So that's really smart. But more importantly, as Erica pointed out, John Ossoff is really giving a message that's very clear. It's about jobs. It's about uh, health care. It's about um, justice. And I think that will resonate. And I think that it's important to also emphasize to younger voters that they do play a very important role. The last thing I'll say is I do think that it was really wise of John Ossoff to invoke the obstruction that President Obama experienced when he was president. Unlike Twitter, President Obama is exceedingly popular with black voters, and he's going to be something for both Ossoff and Warnock, I think, tomorrow. And so I think mm -hmm. it's very important to remind people that this obstruction is not new and it will continue right. if they don't deliver those two Senate seats to the Democrats so that Madam VP Kamala Harris can be the tiebreaker. Passenger, one, that, that was a movie, uh, Greg, where they said always bet on black. The reality is black folks are going to play a critical role. Uh, and, you know, look, there are some places, uh, Athens, uh, for instance, 
did not have a strong black turnout. This is where black voters matter. This is where until freedom, this is where uh, 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 fair fight. So many other groups outside of the campaigns have to be critical to get black folks to turn out. Again, we talked to students here about that. They were making that point as well about, about what is necessary. At the end of the day, this is all turnout. Look, they're going to spend probably three to four hundred million dollars on ads. They mean absolutely nothing. You have got to get people out of the house, off of their butts, to the polls. And Stacey Abrams tweeted just a couple of days ago, 900,000, Greg, absentee ballots have already been requested here in Georgia. Yeah, I mean, that's it, Roland. And uh, first of all, thank you for being there. Second of all, thank you for the question you asked uh, John Ossoff, who and his his answer was exactly what you just said. It's about turnout. Turnout. Mm-hmm. Um, I have I have every confidence that the white nationalists in Georgia will turn out in droves. Um, we know that Laura Ingram will be talking to uh, to that criminal Purdue tonight. Uh, one third of all the Senate trades in stock over the six years he's been in Senate were him. Two thousand five hundred ninety six trades, up to as many as twenty a day. This inside a trader who should be in. Uh, and, and steel bracelets, but he won't be because the white nationalists understand one thing about this thing. It has nothing to do with logic. So when Donald mm. Trump shows up uh, there, just like, uh, as Reese said, when Woods, who who announced that the My Pillow guy and Mr. Ricky Schroeder helped raise money to get Kyle Rittenhouse out of jail, the same Woods who says people don't let them steal this election, when Woods and them were down there in Alpharetta talking, and when Donald Trump comes down there in a couple of days in Valdosta. Understand, these two things are not mutually exclusive because you're not dealing with logic. They mm-hmm. are going to say, see, in their minds, Donald Trump is the president of the United States and the election was stolen. And we're going to go vote. Don't, just, you can't think about these things as if lo- whiteness does not know logic. So I'm saying I have to say that John Ossoff was painting a picture of an America that doesn't exist. But he's appealing to the people who, if, if the Democrats understand this, must be appealed to. You must expand the electorate. This is what Stacey Abrams is saying to you. Stop talking to these zombies. They have already right. been politically killed, and now they are the white undead. So don't you can't reason with them. They're gone. So now you've got to go get some of those people like the ones you had in the parking lot. you got to pull in That's sisters right. like our sister, uh, third-generation HBCU graduate, Howard University, that is, Lynn Whitfield out of Baton Rouge. you got to pull everybody in. Finally, and this is why I'm glad you're there on the ground rolling and going to be there for a minute, Georgia is a microcosm of the future of this country, good, bad, or indifferent. Deep, the, the, the coming white minority is going to hold on to whiteness after it dies. And so yeah. what you're looking yeah. at in Georgia... And the microcosm is a preview of whether or not this little experiment, which is not a democracy, but a representative republic, a, a, a republic, really, a, a, like I said, a representative republic, will be able to survive. The first clue as to whether it can be survive is going to be the legislative branch, followed by the executive, and finally the judiciary. But this war at the for, for the legislative branch is a proxy war for whatever this thing is going to be going forward. Stop talking to them white nationalists and bring everybody else out to vote. Mm. Mm-hmm. But this, mm-hmm. but this is the key here. This is the whole key here, Erica. Black people can make the difference. Oh, yeah. If black people turn out on turn out in early voting on January fifth, mm-hmm. the way they did in the general election, that can put mm-hmm. Warnock and Ossoff over the top. 
okay? You can expect there's going to be a decrease in Republican turnout, okay? Same thing among white voters. But black, this is why I keep saying to black voters, when we maximize our voting power, we can actually be the difference. And that will certainly be the case here. Oh, absolutely, Roland. And what I have been so proud to see since being home in Georgia is going home on the weekends to my home um, of Albany, Georgia, and seeing the different groups that are coming together, the Southwest Georgia Project, um, looking at different <clears throat> electives that are continuing since this general election to do canvassing. They are going out and they're talking to people in rural Georgia. They're talking to people in Southwest Georgia. They're talking to people in South Central Georgia because there are people who are young, there are people who um, have not been talked to, who perhaps did vote in the general election, but weren't aware of this special Senate election runoff, specifically in Georgia, who've not been touched. And that those people are on the ground doing on the ground canvassing, that they're getting people registered to vote, that they're mm -hmm. also making sure that people are registered to vote and um, are requesting their ballots, and then advising people, please do not wait until December the 14th to vote, that you can go ahead and secure your absentee ballot and you don't have to wait till December 14th to turn out. So there are people that are on the ground that are still doing the work. There'll be events that'll be happening on the ground this weekend throughout the rural counties, because what they do understand is exactly what you said, Roland. The key to flipping anything that is winnable is turnout, turnout, turnout. And so I'm really excited, though, even though we're in the holiday season, we're seeing COVID numbers that are going up, that there are groups that are socially distanced, that they are masking up, and they are going out and they're urging people in the community to make sure that they return or that they are securing their absentee ballot to vote and make sure that the Senate indeed works for the people. Uh, we live stream the uh, event today, uh, Reese. We're going to be on Saturday. Uh, there's going to be a joint rally uh, with Raphael Warnock and John Ossoff uh, taking place in Conyers, Georgia. Uh, there are going to be events, of course, uh, as uh, Erica said, happening all across the state between now and January 5th. The whole push in the next 72 hours is to get people registered by Monday. And so every single person who's listening, if you've got family, friends, frat brothers, sorority sisters, uh, you know, uh, independents, don't matter, uh, let them know because, look, if they don't register by Monday, they, 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 they actually can't vote. And if you're 18 years old by Election Day, one of the speakers here today said that there are 23,000 young people who will be 18 by Election Day who could vote in this election. 23,000 votes could decide this race. We saw how close uh, uh, Biden, he, he won Georgia by less than 15,000 votes. 12,000 votes, 12,000 votes. Peachvote.com, that is the much shorter um, URL for people to go to so that they can, in fact, um, get their secure ballot. Peachvote.com, there are people that are throughout the state making sure that you are registered to vote and making sure that you, in fact, do um, get your secure ballot. Everybody, please go to peachvote.com. If you're not sure if you're registered to vote, go to the Georgia Secretary of State's website and check it out. And then if you're not, get registered and secure your absentee ballot today. Reese, you made the point about, uh, again, uh, the agenda, the agenda. Mm -hmm. And if you're, mm -hmm. if you're African-American out there, this is, this is real simple. If Democrats don't win these two seats, and they have to win both, that means that Mitch McConnell is in charge. 
Mitch McConnell will get to decide who is in the cabinet of Joe Biden. Mitch McConnell will decide federal judges. Mitch McConnell will decide what bills come up. So if you're black and you watching us, even if you're not black, because we got non-black folks who watch us, who, who are white Latino, guess what? If you don't want those idiots controlling the agenda for at least the next two years, you better be sitting here uh, picking that phone up, using social media, texting and calling people saying, hey, Georgians, make it happen. Right. I know people are sick of us talking about voting and elections and how you got to do this and oh, it's doom and gloom. But listen, y'all, we have to complete the work. If you get 85 percent of the work done, would you go out the house with 85 percent of your tracks in your head or 85 percent of your hair braided? No. (laughs) Would you go to work with with 85 percent of your hair faded, 85 percent of your beard cut up? No. Are you going to wear 85% of your eyeglasses? You, you got to see. So, like, we have to complete the work. And it's actually one of the least painful things we can do to move this country forward. Y'all might have seen the, the proposal, this bipartisan proposal that Mitch McConnell's already kind of rejected. There's no money in that for you. Mm-hmm. If you get those two seats, there's money for you specifically, not just money for corporations, not just money for hospitals, which is important in, in local governments, but money in your pocket. You will not get a stimulus check if Mitch McConnell is the majority leader. They're talking about $300 for unemployment or $400. You're not going to get 600 again like you did early in the pandemic if Mitch McConnell is the majority leader. These are tangible things that are at stake that you can kiss goodbye completely for at least the next two years. Then we gotta have even more work to do in the next, two years after that, if we don't get the Senate, because then everybody's like, well, I don't see what happened. You know, what have the Democrats done for us? Well, did you vote in Georgia so that we can get these Senate seats? So there is so much at stake here. And it's Mm -hmm. just a minimal effort to vote, to register to vote and just complete the work. And then we can all, at least for a little while, sit back, and you can complain about whatever you want to complain about. You can demand whatever you want to demand. But nothing <laughs> gets done without these two seats, period. That's right. Uh, it's, it's very it's, it's very interesting, Greg, because yesterday we had a conversation about defund the police. A lot of activists have been highly critical of President Barack Obama for his comments regarding that. Guess what? The reason the George Floyd Justice Act, the reason that act is sitting there, because Republicans control the Senate. Mm-hmm. Simple as that. That if, if if Democrats win these two, that bill can get passed, barring of someone like Joe Manchin acting a damn fool, you know, oh, and refusing to support fool. it. Uh, but the bomb, but the bottom line is this here: if they don't pick up the two, it's mute. It doesn't matter. They have no right. shot. And Republicans have already shown they don't care. In fact, Brett Greg, the Republicans are complaining right now that Biden isn't consulting them on his cabinet picks. I'm sorry. Why? Well, again, Roland, this is this is critical. And when we echo what Reese has said, the most important thing right now in terms of federal electoral politics is to get these two seats. And that has to be our laser focus. Now, because this is Roland Martin Unfiltered, and our, our you know, the folks who watch and participate in this movement, this media movement, are astute enough to understand we can talk and chew gum at the same time. We have to we can frame it a little bit in the larger context. So, number one, it's all about getting these two seats. But let's be very clear. Mitch McConnell has destroyed the United States Senate. 
as, as we knew it. Oh, no, I shouldn't say that. He has revealed the United States Senate. Donald Trump is just part of a larger thing. What we've seen accelerate is the steady deterioration of white power that has been a steady deterioration since the passage of the Voting Rights Act of 1965. White people in this country, majority of them, have not voted for a Democrat since Linda Johnson in 1968. So this isn't anything new. What has happened, however, what Trump did was accelerate the inevitable confrontation. This is what the White Nationalist Party has declared, and Mitch McConnell is declaring it. When we are not in complete control of the entire federal apparatus, we will ignore you. You do not exist. This is, the, this is the fundamental mistake that Barack Obama made, and I understand why he made it. And by the way, you know, we don't need to talk about Barack Obama and his comments on funding or defunding the police. He's irrelevant. He's a politician. He's not a black leader, and we can just set him aside. If we were, if we, we were mature, we would set him aside. Although I will say this, all the smoke he's catching, he's earned every little dreg of it. But that hasn't been said. McConnell's thing is, if we're not in complete control, we will ignore you. So whether it be a labor pick, that could be attacked from the left. But McConnell's like, no, you don't get to pick your own cabinet, whether it be this, as Reese said, this stripped-down CARES Act extension, which he's not going to pass, or whether it be is the looming debt ceiling, which they will not. They're not going to do anything. So the Democrats now have to decide. Let's say they get these two seats. Joe Manchin going to act a fool. But, 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 but the step is to get the two seats and then force a confrontation. The strategy, finally, the Democratic Party is going to have to decide going forward, for whether they get two seats or not, whether they get one of the two seats or not, is whether or not they're going to hold the line. Let's say McConnell them says, we're just going to ignore you. You don't get your cabinet picks. Do you then, does, does, does Biden-Harris then say, we're just going to then allow a, not, a cabinet not to be formed in this country and expose and make people make this choice and make some recess appointments at the end of 2021 and force the hand? They're not going to do that. Why? Because Joe Biden has already signaled that I'm going to capitulate. They shouldn't even be talking about this less than trillion dollar plan. But why are they doing it? Because they don't understand that this is not a democracy. It's not even a representative democracy in the form of a republic. It is the dying throes of white nationalism. And as far as Mitch McConnell, the leading white nationalist in the federal legislature is concerned, if they're not in complete control, you don't exist. The Democrats mm -hmm. better understand where they live. That today, uh, Vice President-elect Kamala Harris unveiled more of her uh, staff positions. Uh, she announced that uh, Tina Flournoy is going to be her chief of staff. She was a top strategist, aide to uh, uh, to the Clintons. Flournoy has served as a chief of staff with former President Bill Clinton at, at the course uh, since 2013. She also held top posts uh, at the Democratic National Committee uh, in the presidential campaigns of former Vice President Al Gore and former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton. And so we'll be seeing more of those announcements. And so uh, the top leadership there, the communications director, the press uh, uh, secretary, as well as chief of staff, all black women, Reese for Kamala Harris. You know, I'm loving all of this, you know. Um, what she needs is exactly what she's doing with uh, Tina Flournoy. She needs somebody's black auntie, somebody's black grandma who ain't sitting up there going finger in the wind based on what's trending on Twitter, who's not worried about winning a news cycle, who's gonna be about building the relationships and really positioning VP-elect Kamala Harris, not just for this Biden administration, but for the future as well. So I'm very, very heartened by that. And shout out to my girl Rohini, who is her policy director, just been named today. She's fantastic as well.
But I think that it's very important that Kamala Harris is surrounded by incredibly talented, brilliant black woman, because that is the key constituency that she's going to have to hold on to, not just for the Biden-Harris administration, but for a potential Harris administration. If she can make sure that she's keeping her finger on the pulse, that she has people that understand the unique needs of our community, that will center our needs, make sure we have that voice on the table, and that we're not just a subplot to all of the other people and, you know, the wine moms and all the other stuff they want to throw out there, and let's, let's, let's understand the Trump voters, then she's going to be exceptional in this job. So I'm really, really pleased by this announcement. I'm, I'm pleased by all of the announcements that she's made. These are incredibly credentialed, talented, and bonus black women. Uh, it's very interesting, uh, 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 Greg. We had um, Congressman Emanuel Cleaver on the show yesterday of Kansas City. Uh, and there were some people who were saying, well, I, I don't get the CBC, you know, um, um, uh, why in the world, you know, they're making the, you know, they're saying all of these different things because it's about power. And one mm -hmm. of the things that I keep trying to explain to people, it's not just about power in the White House. It's power on the outside, because here's what happens. The people who are in major positions in the White House, that's who corporate America grabs for positions after they leave. And mm -hmm. so what happens if you have white folks, white men and white women, Greg, who are in these positions, then they go right into corporate America. They go into lobbying firms. They go into PR firms. So guess what? They, they take they have the power there and the millions of dollars that comes along with that. And so people have to understand the demand for African-Americans in these a lot of these positions isn't just about the power they can wield inside of government. It's what power they will be able to wield when they leave government. It's true, Roland. I mean, again, this is a very difficult conversation. Uh, we're in the middle of a global pandemic that has seen the stock market expand, that has seen the creation of a, a wave of new billionaires, that has seen in America the existing billionaires, and some of them double or triple or quadruple their, their net worth. At the same time, you got people standing in the equivalent of soup kitchen lines. Radical inequality is going to tear this whole political economy, the global political economy apart. So when you start talking about the, 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 the politics of demographic representation, the number of blacks who were invited into that tiny group of white elites that manage the affairs of the political economy, you're talking about something that's it's not as important necessarily as what's bubbling up from beneath. So in the case of somebody like Tina Flanoy, of course, overly qualified. Uh, she was Bill Clinton's chief of staff for almost a well, eight years, uh, last eight years. You know, that she represents basically a signal that we're going to reestablish business as usual in terms of a kind of stable American government. Now, that's not a bad thing, certainly, because you've got chaos in there right now. You know, the Israelis taking out Iranian nuclear scientists and America, I'm sure Mike uh, Mike and um, uh, Pompeo knew about it and you're going to try to start a war on your way out, execute me. So, so, so you have to do that. But when you see Nancy McEldowney, she was retired. She served under six presidents. What they're signaling is we're going to reestablish business as usual in American diplomacy. That ain't good for Africa. In fact, there's a real criticism to be raised on, 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 uh, on Michael Downey and some of the, 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 the things the Obama administration did, for example, in North Africa, like Libya and places like that. So, so there's that going on. But what we're really 
confronted with at this moment. Because we're confronted with a moment when something new is being born, but the old thing hasn't died yet. So these appointments are being pulled from a kind of stock that has been developed, including Rohingya, as Reese said, who has been around, a younger generation coming in, but they're coming out of an apparatus that predates Trump. And it comes out of Obama, it comes out of Clinton. In other words, it's kind of returned to the kind of thing that every administration does with the possible exception of this Trump administration. Why is that necessary to pay attention to? From the bottom up, you've got in the federal legislature now some of those elements of people who don't want to do business as usual, who are now, because the legislature is right. going to be the first of those three branches that are going to reflect this kind of surge of, y'all got to change something. We need stat status quo ain't doing no good. You know, Janet Yellen and them can be proposed, and then the people out there in Detroit can say, you know what, we're going to withdraw this notion of rolling back these uh, industry standards on emissions because we like Joe Biden and we was going to do whatever the president did because we do a lot of business with the government. These people coming into the federal legislature now like, no, you got to stop this as business as usual. So what did you see today? You saw the House of Representatives, the Democrats, uh, nominate Sean Patrick Mahoney to lead the DCCC and defeated Tony Cardenas, who ostensibly was out of the Hispanic caucus, who's ostensibly representing part of that surge. Why do they put Sean Patrick Mahoney in there finally? Because he represents this failing and failed strategy. Let's go chase these invisible white working class voters, these white nationalists, and the Democrats aren't careful right now. They are going to set it up to lose in four years, to lose seats in two, and to, and to have a much more painful confrontation with the end of white power than would be necessary if we could just simply mobilize new voters and get them in and continue this momentum. But it's going to be very painful if they don't learn that lesson, and it doesn't appear to me that they have. All right, speaking of, speaking of white power, we're going to go to a break. We come back. A prosecutor in North Carolina, why does he want a black man removed from existing because he said he is a threat to the community. We will talk to that brother next on Roland Martin Unfiltered, broadcasting live from Georgia, where we're 72 hours away from the deadline to register to vote in the January 5th runoff. Be sure to get that registration in. We'll be right back. You know, it's a lot of people did a lot of things to vote. It wasn't just something that was handed over. You know how many of your ancestors, so when people talk to me about how black they are in their heart, I'm like, but you don't do nothing to honor the ancestors for the things that they put in front of you. They, It's, it's blood on those votes. You had, it's people died and did all type of things in order for you and further in, in future generations to be able to vote and you take it for granted as it don't mean nothing. I think that most people just not informed enough on what to vote about and who to vote for. It's like you look on this, you look on a ballot, you'll see proposition one through ten. You don't know what any of the propositions are. Nobody educated you on prop one, how's it gonna directly affect your community? How is it going to directly affect elderly? How is it going to directly affect the future? How do you not know and you vote for something blind? Or you don't vote for something blind? Or you see a name 
You have no clue who this person is. And you just, oh, it's all Democrat. I'm gonna vote for everybody on the Democratic Party. Like, sometimes we be voting for people who ain't got no backbone. I still, I still think in my mind, who are the people that we voted for that we put in office that chose to accept that they couldn't nominate a Supreme Court justice? They accepted that. The Republicans told them they couldn't do it because it's a lame duck president. What you mean? Right. What do you mean? Love your neighbor as yourself. It's a value we all try to live by, but in Washington, it's been forgotten. It's clear, our politics are broken, overcome by a selfishness that rewards money and power, leaving far too many of us out of the conversation. I'm Raphael Warnock, and I see you. I see too many communities left behind, too many hardworking people ignored. I'm running for Senate to be your voice. That's why I approve this message. I'm John Ossoff, and the path to recovery is clear. First, we listen to medical experts to control this virus. Then we shore up our economy with stronger support for small businesses and tax relief for working families. And it's time for a historic infrastructure plan to get people back to work and invest in our future. We need leaders who bring us together to get this done. And that's why I approve this message. One senator in particular irks me, a Senator Kelly Loeffler, not elected, but appointed just a couple months ago. Calls across the political spectrum for the resignation of Republican Senator Kelly Loeffler of Georgia. Loeffler, her husband's the chairman of the New York Stock Exchange. I know that sounds like a joke about rich people in an Adam Sandler movie. That's a real thing. He owns the stock exchange. So they're two regular down-home folks. One of the first things they did after they found out just how bad the coronavirus would be during closed-door Senate briefings was sell a huge amount of stock. You sold over a million dollars in stocks in your own personal portfolio before the market went down. They were making a bunch of moves in the stock market to make sure their portfolios were protected instead of making sure you are protected. New congressional disclosures show that Lawfare sold far more stock than we initially knew. $18.7 million in stock trades. While there are those who would dismiss it and say, well, she's worth so much more, I've never met a wealthy person who didn't want more money. Not only did she sell stuff, but then she bought stuff. And one of the items she bought was to help people who have to work at home software. There's a reason Kelly left for spending 25 plus or $30 million on this, because she don't want people to know about her past. So she owns part of Atlanta's WNBA team, and there are calls for her to give up that ownership now. Truth is, with Kelly Loeffler, her own ambitions and her own elite friends come first, and the president, the rest of us, come second. Folks, this woman is knee-deep in the swamp, and she just got there. We should have leaders who actually respect the people. If Loeffler knew about these trades, she should leave office. The voters of Georgia had the opportunity to ballot box you out. I'm Bill Duke. This is Diallo Riddle, and you're watching Roland Martin, Unfiltered. 
Stay woke. something to be a threatening black man. Yesterday, a judge in Alamance County, North Carolina, denied a prosecutor's request to bar my next guest from county property. <laughs> the prosecutor actually said this brother uh, was a threat, a danger to the community, and insisted uh, that uh, Reverend Greg Drumwright and the supporters are likely to riot. Why? Because they have been organizing marches uh, dealing with the issue of early voting. Uh, and that was, of course, you might remember that we played you the video where a group of demonstrators were pe pepper sprayed on the way to the polls. However, uh, the judge said the prosecutor's motion simply was too broad and inadequate. Hmm. Guess what? On Monday, uh, Reverend Drumright and the others march uh, to try to get the charges against the protesters uh, dropped. Uh, he joins us right now on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Reverend, how you doing? Good evening, Mr. Martin. It's good to see you again since you was last in the streets with us at North Carolina A&T. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Why are you, why are you scaring these white folks in North Carolina? <laughs> Hey, man, I'm actually in my hometown. And all of this is going on where I grew up in Alamance County, particularly Graham, North Carolina. We were leading folks to the polls on the final day of one-stop early voting registration. And here we are, still fighting for our rights. We showed that video. Uh, we remember when it happened. And uh, because of what they did, there were people who they pepper sprayed who couldn't register that day. Exactly, Roland. Literally, I was being released from jail, and I noticed a brother about five minutes before me in the process. And um, I didn't even think that he knew who I was. I just uh, acknowledged him, and seeing that he was about to leave the jail knowing that election day was three days later, I just asked him, like I've been asking everybody, hey, bro, are you voting? He turned around and looked at me and said, Reverend Drumright, I was actually going to vote with you today. Um, and so that, that moment, the disappointment uh, of that moment has stuck with me ever since October 31st. In Graham, North Carolina, in my own hometown, where I've been organizing against white supremacy and racial inequality. We were, our peaceful get out the vote rally was interrupted by pepper spray uh, that they released, not one, not two, but three in three different occasions on a large crowd of peaceful marchers and potential voters and things. Uh, we had elderly people in the street, lying in the street, suffering from the pepper spray. We had five-year-olds, seven-year-old kids uh, uh, that have suffered from those traumatic events. Um, and we've been fighting ever since then. Well, folks need to understand this is not the first time folks in North Carolina have done this. In fact, state legislators actually banned Reverend William Barber and others from the state capitol, saying they were protesting and making too much noise. They eventually lost that battle in court. And so 
what what this prosecutor is essentially saying is you do not have a First Amendment right to protest, which is a constitutional guarantee in this country. Yeah, bro, the story actually starts even before what's happened and played out this week. Earlier in the summer, the city officials in Graham, North Carolina, lifted a ban of anyone that was standing in the street or on the sidewalk and protest. If two people stood together on the sidewalk and had a Black Lives Matter sign or was saying no justice, no peace, they would be locked up and sent, sent away. And so we had to sue the city of Graham. The lawyers committee uh, represented me and the NAACP in the case to sue the city of Graham to get a temporary restraining order on that ban for peaceful protest. So this has been playing out ever since George Floyd's summer has begun. So yesterday, I had to listen to a DA argue um, on the behalf of the state of North Carolina that I was a danger to the community of Alamance County and all that we've been doing is peacefully organized since June. Uh, that looks like looks like we uh, lost Reverend Drum right there. Uh, I want to bring in Erica. Erica, the point that he just made there is a critical one, uh, and, and and that is uh, is is Reverend Drum right still there? I'm still here. Okay, gotcha. Sorry, we had, we had lost your connection there. Uh, I want you to finish. Uh, we, we you dipped out there. Uh, I, I want the, 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 uh, the last question for you: Is this the end of this process, or are y'all still battling them over those uh, charges from that March in October? Roland, we are out on bond, but still fighting for our freedom. That is literally my sentiments. Um, I am still facing trumped-up felony charges for simply working to lead people to the polls on October 31st. I am literally still fighting those charges. We have uh, more than a dozen people that have been fighting uh, against these charges. We call them the Gram 12, Free the Gram 12. I'm literally the new face of what a felon could be in my own home county. And so we need everyone in America that believe uh, in, 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 in peaceful protests, that believe in fighting for equal rights, that believe in fighting for voter rights, that believe in, in fighting against voter suppression. This is what voter suppression looks like in 2020. So I encourage you all, get in touch with us on our website, j4tng.org, Justice for the Next Generation, Free the Gram 12 in Alameda. All right, then, Reverend. Uh, we certainly appreciate it. Thank you so very much. Uh, keep yeah. giving them hell there in North Carolina. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you so very much. Erica Savage, I want to go to you. I mean, this is, I mean, look, this is what, what you're seeing and what you're dealing with is what we saw take place in Ferguson. Uh, when they just mm -hmm. came up with rules and, oh, you can't actually stand for a few seconds. That's just what we're dealing with here, Erica. 
Yeah, uh, we're just seeing it now on a more exacerbated level. And then even thinking about, you know, when we talk about um, people who are folks of faith, um, I wanted to ask Reverend Drumright, has he received any support from the white evangelical community? Now, I think we all know the response to that question, but I think that in Girl, terms like this, you know doggone well. <laughs> you know doggone well them white evangelicals ain't saying nothing. They still trying to run up the Paula White. However, but they're... Uh, looks like we lost Erica uh, Reese. Uh, pick up on that. Yeah, one thing I, I do want to point out is, you know, I've seen a lot of people comment on how, you know, Trump has lost so many lawsuits and, you know, how this election was the most secure election to date. But we cannot we cannot ignore the fact that this kind of voter suppression exists and it has tangible consequences for people's real lives. You know, when you're targeting black pastors or activists for felony charges, whether it's about uh, voting, a nonviolent non uh, peaceful protest for voting or marches to vote, or whether it's protesting the death of, or the murder, I should say, of Breonna Taylor. So we cannot um, get complacent. We cannot say, oh, well, the system is working perfectly fine because, you know, Biden and Harris prevailed and Trump lost his lawsuits and his election challenges. We have to really tackle these kind of voter suppression tactics. And I'm very encouraged by the Lawyers Committee, which is always on top of these kinds of things and their involvement. But, you know, like he said, he's not out of the woods yet. And it's just completely unfair but, you know, the, 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 what we also have to understand, I'm sure um, Dr. Carr will be the first to say this, is that his grievance or his offense was violating the sanctity of white supremacy. And that's what happens when black people vote. Mm -hmm. So, again, you know, it's not about the system is white supremacy. The system is white nationalism. And they can make up whatever rules they want to. They, they've shown that repeatedly as they go along to keep us in our place. So... Our votes are just one way of showing an act of resistance to that system. Now, it's not going to dismantle it. I know, Greg, you're going to say that. It's not going to dismantle it. It might hold us off a little bit. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> it, can, it, can, it can help us not be extreme white nationalism, maybe a little bit less extreme. Okay, is that okay, Dr. Carr? Did I get that right? <laughs> I'm with you. But, 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 I'm but, with you. That's right. <laughs> but, but the thing... Right. But 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 the thing here, Greg, the thing here, Greg, for all these people who say how safe it was, the bottom line is we still okay. had to deal with massive voter suppression. We can't forget what Donald Trump and the Republicans allowed to take place with the Postal Service. They tried to steal the election, and if they did not catch the hail from that judge, that black judge, Emmett Sullivan, from those from Democrats in Congress, they would have tr they would have kept thousands or millions of ballots from arriving on time. That was their plan. That was their plan, Roland. In fact, I got a text a, a second ago from somebody that said they wanted to know whether you were out there in that in that parking lot by yourself, and I assured them that you were not because you were in the South. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, it's four of us here. It's four of us here. But really, I'm, I'm really following up on, on, on and I'm, I'm in full agreement, Reese, with you. You know, we are, we, these are, we have to have tactics that push back our open enemies. We can't win a war in one fell swoop. 
This is right. a this is almost a three century criminal enterprise we're in now, mm. and we have to we have to fight incrementally, and sometimes we suffer setbacks. So, for example, let's talk about another uh, North Carolina ENT student body president. We just you just interviewed one, uh, Reverend Dunright, Greg Dunright, but let's talk about another one, Reverend Jesse Jackson, who transferred from the University of Illinois because he went part of the reason because he wouldn't let him play quarterback for the football team, and then went to ANT, and that's where Dr. King and them found him, right? But when Jesse Jackson and Martin King and Septa McClark and and all the women and men who were fighting in that moment among the liberation struggle, they were confronting Jim Crow. The same kind of ridiculous rules. There's no constitution except for the judiciary's ability to interpret it. Just go look at Marbury versus Madison. Fast forward almost 60 years, and you got another former North Carolina A&T student body president who is now confronting the fact, as Reese said, that you tripwired white supremacy, which means the law is what the sheriff said it is at the moment. And if you're going to the mm-hmm. court, remember, that's the third branch and the one that's going to be the hardest to dismantle in terms of our open confrontation with white supremacy. Now, Reverend, Ray, uh, Reverend, uh, Reverend Dunright is in court suing Terry Johnson and Christy Cole, those law enforcement officials, for intimidating voters. A real judge, if there were a real constitution that would be interpreted consistently, would say, of course, they were intimidating voters. But the law is what the sitting judge says it is. Alito Mm. told these white nationalists in the week before the election in GOP versus Bookbar, if you can get it close enough to steal, bring it back after November the 2nd, and we'll see if we can throw those ballots out to come in. But it wasn't close enough to steal. This is why voting is important. Right. Don't take these things, as Reese said, as victories. Oh, the courts have shown that democracy worked. Democracy don't work. This is an open war. It wasn't close enough to steal. You know what's going to keep that brother out of jail? People in the street. Trust me on that. And that's why this show matters, because uh, when I when uh, Christian Clark, when she sent that tweet out uh, saying that he was uh, one of their clients and what they were doing to him, I immediately sent Christian a text. I said, uh, have uh, shoot me his information. She did. Uh, and I said, we will have you on the show tomorrow. So I certainly thank Christian for doing that, mm-hmm. uh, which is why shows like this matter. Uh, and I keep telling folks this. Uh, look, uh, folks, you got to support what we do. There are a whole bunch of y'all who are watching us right now. More than 6,000 of you on YouTube. There, are, uh, there's, uh, Folks are watching us on Facebook and Periscope. You must support what we do. What your support allows us to be here on the ground here in Georgia. Uh, I'm going to be here uh, until uh, Tuesday. We're going to be back every single week uh, through uh, January 5th. We be, uh, we, we're going to have crews going all across the state. We're going to be live streaming uh, the rally taking place uh, on Saturday. And so it's important to be able to tell our stories because, see, here we ain't got to ask permission to have uh, the reverend on. We don't have to have permission to talk about what we talk about. I didn't have to ask anybody, could we come down here uh, and broadcast uh, from the John Ossoff rally? I just had to ask my damn self. But that's why it's important <laughs> that we own. Why we must own. And again, I know black folks, I you know, look, black folks, we get excited when somebody got a new TV show, somebody got a new radio show. But the question is, do they own it? Because if they don't own it, that means they can be replaced. Right. They 
can be canceled. So support us what we do, folks. Go to our cash app, dollar sign RM Unfiltered. Go to paypal.me forward slash rmartinunfiltered. Venmo.com forward slash RM Unfiltered. You can also support us uh, via Zelle at Roland at RolandSMartin.com. You can send a money order to New Vision Media, NU Vision Media, Inc., 1625 K Street Northwest, Suite 400, Washington, D.C., 2006. And if you're watching us on Facebook and YouTube, you can actually uh, sign up right there. You can do memberships right there online as well. Every dollar you give goes to support this show and what we do. Coming up next, Raheem Devon is in the house talking about his new project and also the kind of activism that he is involved with. That is next right here on Roland Martin Unfiltered, broadcasting live from uh, the great state of Georgia. We'll be back in a moment. When the going got tough in business, David Perdue outsourced American jobs overseas. In a deposition, Perdue testified he spent most of his career outsourcing. You made a career outsourcing. How do you defend that? Well, defend it, I'm proud of it. When the going got tough in the Senate, Purdue hid in the airport bathroom and even stole someone's cell phone who asked him a tough question. I stole my property. When the going got tough with COVID, Purdue hid critical information while selling his own stocks. Records show that Senator David Purdue bought and sold stocks shortly after a private Senate briefing on the virus. It's not just that you're a crook, Senator. You're attacking the health of the people that you represent. Now Purdue won't even face his constituents backing out of debate after debate. Enough incompetence, deceit, corruption, division. Change has come to Georgia. Change is coming to America. Georgia needs a real senator, not a chicken Purdue. Midas Touch is responsible for the content of this advertising. I'm John Ossoff, and too many are struggling to afford prescriptions. One change in the law would make a huge difference. See, Medicare is America's biggest buyer of prescriptions, but the drug companies bought off Congress and they made it illegal for Medicare to negotiate lower prices. It's straight up corruption. Fighting corruption is my job. I approve this message because I'm not taking donations from corporate PACs and I won't let the drug companies rip us off anymore. We told them the smear ads were coming and that's exactly what happened. You would think that Kelly Leffler might have something good to say about herself if she really wants to represent Georgia. Instead, she's trying to scare people by taking things I've said out of context from over 25 years of being a pastor. But I think Georgians will see her ads for what they are. Don't you? I'm Raphael Warnock, and we approve this message. He knows he won this election. He said, if I lost this election fair and square, I would concede. But he said, Lynn, I didn't lose it. I won it. And he said to me, with the conviction of the President of the United States of America, I will never concede. Never concede. Don't you ever concede, Mr. President. You won this election. America voted for you. Stay in the White House. Listen. Just listen. You know what's coming. You had to know. We were getting ready. Your legacy? For a big celebration. Failure. It's over. 
over. And all of a sudden, it was just called off. Your future. You fail. What future? Joe Biden and Kamala Harris will receive the most votes of any presidential ticket ever. Ouch. No legacy. Lawsuits. Lawsuits. Massive debts. debts. Bankruptcy. Bankruptcy. Humiliation. Humiliation. Melania might not even stick around. No one wants a loser. Your house of cards has collapsed. It's over. Everything you've put off. Total collapse. Everything you've wanted to hide. Your secrets. All your secrets. They're all going to come out. You can't stop it. You need to accept it. And former Vice President Joe Biden will become the 46th President of the United States. President Biden. It's over. You can't stop it. Biden won. He crushed you. Accept it. I'm the President of the United States. Don't ever talk to the President that way. You can't tweet your way out of it. 400 tweets over the last two weeks are mostly false claims of fraud. You can't sue your way out of it. A dozen of these lawsuits unsuccessful. Your lawyers are clowns and your so-called allies won't save you. They were never going to. Do you have anything to say to the press? They won't save you. There's just one thing you could do to help yourself now. One small just thing. Just one thing. Get off Twitter. Get off Twitter. Put down your phone. And for the love of God. In the name of all that's holy. Shut the fuck up. Shut I'm Chrisette Michelle. Hi, I'm Chaley Rose, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. All right, folks, welcome back to Roland Martin Unfiltered. We are here uh, in Georgia. My next guest, uh, he is known for his love songs, uh, but he also is uh, very strong when it comes to act activism. Raheem Devon joins us. The new project, What a Time to Be in Love. What's up, my man? What's going on? How you doing, Roland? I'm all good, all good. I'm here in Georgia, of course. We're covering the Georgia runoff, and it's uh, uh, always uh, is always interesting being out here on the road. Before we talk about your next project, uh, a lot, what a lot of people don't realize, they know for your love songs, but uh, you have always been strong when it comes to activism. Uh, the mixtape that you you put out a banging political mixtape that a lot of folks slept, have slept on. Yeah. Look like we have some audio issues with, with Raheem, so uh, let me know uh, when we are straight uh, with that. Let me just do this here. So y'all let me know when we have that done. I'm going to go ahead and uh, I'll do this uh, Kyle Rittenhouse story. Uh, folks, the judge has ordered 17-year-old Kyle Rittenhouse to stand trial in the fatal shooting uh, that killed uh, two men and injured another in Kenosha, Wisconsin, during a protest there. Uh, he faces two felony charges of homicide and a felony attempted homicide charge. He's also charged with a misdemeanor for possession of a dangerous weapon while under the age of 18. Today, during a preliminary hearing, an attorney for Rittenhouse requested pending charges against him be dismissed. However, the Kenosha County prosecutor uh, rejected the request and ruled the state demonstrated, I'm sorry, the Kenosha County Commissioner, ruled that the state demonstrated probable cause uh, for the felonies and that, that they were committed by the 17-year-old. Rittenhouse is scheduled to be arraigned January 5th in Kenosha County Circuit Court. And don't forget, uh, the My Pillow CEO, as well as uh, Ricky Schroeder, uh, they were big contributors to Kyle Rittenhouse's uh, legal defense fund. Uh, and so that's what happens when you have the protecting, as Greg always says, uh, of white supremacy in America. All right, folks, uh, we got Raheem Devon back. 
All right, Raheem, can you hear me? All right, he's breaking up for me. Raheem, go ahead and uh, just talk to me again. I just want to make sure I can hear you clearly. Yes, I can hear you. Can you hear me? All right, there we go. All right, then. What I was saying is a lot of folks uh, slept on that political mixtape you dropped. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even with the new album, What It's Kind of Being Love, it's available on all digital platforms. Uh, the album Have Conscience and Have Love, um, you know, celebrating black love, celebrating intimacy, but also speaking of issues of Okay, folks. Uh, we're having some having some big problems uh, here uh, with uh, with Raheem's uh, video, and so we want to go ahead and get that thing squared away. So let's just go ahead and do this here. Y'all know what time it is. No charcoal are alive. I'm white. I got you, huh? Well, a white woman in Irvine, California got into a traffic stop. Let's just say she rolled up on the wrong sister who had all the time in the world for this Karen. And you park like an idiot. You've been reported. Oh, I already reported you too, baby. Let's see. So she's put my life at risk and my child's life at risk. You've been posted all over Temecula Talk. So have you. And I wonder. I put you on Facebook. I got 10,000 followers on I wonder on if I was a black woman. A title I wonder man if I was a black woman. Did she throw a color purple root on her? <laughs> I love how Sister Girl tells her and her Karen, help, help, get away from my car. I told y'all about that pepper spray. Didn't I tell y'all? Keep that pepper spray. Spray them like broken. Six feet. Step back. Hello. I told y'all. Sound like somebody listening out there, but I thought, you know. She handled it appropriately, but I hope she got out of Dodge for the police showed up, though. <laughs> right. 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 I mean, I, 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 I did get a kick out of, help, help, help. I mean, normally it's a white woman who's screaming. That's true. That's true. I mean, unfortunately, Reese is right. You know, first of all, that Karen was right. She is threatening her life, but she left two words out. Way of life. I am a white woman, so therefore mm. I should be able to do whatever the hell I want with black people. So, mm -hmm. and the sister, I, I, I agree with Reese when she starts saying "help, help." 
you got to understand what that white woman is counting on is that she can make a phone call and white supremacy will form like Voltron. And here come the same police with the same attitude they treating that brother in North Carolina. They're going to swoop in mm -hmm. and go after the sister in the car. And I, by the way, I didn't see any kind of mask anywhere near that lady's mouth. Right. So at that point, I'd be like, look, this woman threatening my life and the life of everybody else. But, you know, shout out to that sister for saying at this moment, I don't care if we must. Well, anyway, anyway. You know what I was about to say. I hear you, Greg. I hear you, I hear you all the way over here. But her holding hey, up Eric, her phone Eric, with that little Eric, Eric, here's, here's, here's my whole deal. Here's my whole deal. Okay. This this is me. First of all, look, I get it. Folks got the window down, they talking. If that's me, I'm on the inside of the car. This is me. Right. <laughs> like, I need, I'm not even about to sit here and engage your ignorant ass. I'm going to be like, I'll be sitting here just, and then, then I'm going to hit with this here. Right. <laughs> I'm going to laugh at him. <laughs> That's what I would do. See, That's what I would do, Eric. I appreciate that. I appreciate that, Roland, because I think everybody knows the RNU family, the only kind of engagement I'm engaging in are these. Come on. That's what people respond to. That's the only type of engagement I got for anybody that rolls up on me. I'm not with the shit. And so her holding up her cell phone, you saw she had the demagogue on it back on it. That told you everything that you needed to know. She's ignorant. She doesn't hear. She's a damn fool. Either pull off or engage right. But you know, one thing, though, is that well, you do have to be careful because with that video and that audio, you have to present the alternative story because these white folks, they sit up there, they, they, they have, they're on camera, they're, on, they're, they're in distress, and they have your license plate, and they show that to the police, and next thing they roll up on you, you got shots in you. And so I'm not saying that that won't necessarily happen, even if you do engage with them. But if they're on the phone, you need to be just as loud. That's why it was very smart for her to be like, help, help. I hope she had her mace. I hope she got out of Dodge. But you cannot let these white folks be on the phone, be on camera, and be on with the police. And it's only their voice and their story. You better have your camera out and you better be loud unless, if, unless you can get the hell out. If you can get the hell out, go ahead and move on about your business. But you can't let them record you and only get their side of the story out. Greasy, that's so important. Yeah, I mean, I mean look, I mean, look. These, that's so important. Look, these... Greg, go ahead. No, 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 go, go ahead, Ron, please, brother. No, 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 go, go ahead. <laughs> no I, all I was about to say is, is that, is that uh, I don't know when these things be going down. They just don't happen to me. I, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just Praise saying... God. I'm just saying, uh, I mean, I mean, just go ahead. I mean, I... I they really don't. I, I, I probably this this actually this actually, it, it wasn't anything like this here. And, you know, we've all been mistaken, you know, in stores, but like we worked there. And I remembered I was in a in Arlington, Texas, at the dealers out at the dealers outlet mall, and I'm, it was a Sunday after church. I was clean. I mean, this was all pre-COVID when we actually wore suits and ties and sh and shoes that required polishing. Um, and I'm sitting here, I'm sitting there in the store, Greg, uh, and I'm looking at some suits. 
uh, and uh, and uh, uh, this white guy actually uh, yells, uh, excuse me, I need a 42. I said, do my ass look like I work here? <laughs> I said, look, I said, look at me. Ain't nobody here with a suit this clean. Do you see anybody working here with this pocket square and tie combination? I said, no way in hell I work here. I said, and why your ass at it? Get me a 48. <laughs> but see, Ron, see, but I mean, this is the thing, though, right, brother? And that's why they text me and ask me, were you out there in that parking lot by yourself? And what Reese said again, at any split-second moment, it can all go terribly wrong. And we're laughing in this moment because, you know, as James Baldwin said, I mean, to be black in America is to be in a constant state of rage. But mm -hmm. part of that, underneath that rage is a sense of sorrow. But for, for the African in the West, underneath that sorrow is a sense of hope and joy. So we can, that's why our comedians often become the ones who become prophetic for us. We can laugh about this because we've been there. And we also know that Eric said, at any moment, it could go wrong. I mean, you know, this woman, Catherine Bryan Donham, still walk, walks to earth in Mississippi. And Mattel, 14 years old, is in there trying yep. to get some candy or, right. or coke. Right. He lied on him. Next thing you know, the boy at the bottom of the Tallahatchie River. And, and I mean, Philando Castillo, you had his mother on this show. He, he videotaped his own death with the child right. in the car. So, as, as, you know, at, at a split second, in that moment, you said, get me a 48. This ain't get you no 48 N-word. And at that moment... You might say, I'm going to ignore you, or you might decide in that moment to channel the spirit of our sister Erica and throw them bows. And at the <laughs> end of the day, <laughs> we have to decide in that very moment, which is why I said that Claude McCain, if we must die, let us nobly die. But for the black yeah. person in this country, it can go from laughter to life-threatening in a split second. And that's something any white person, ally, open enemy, nope, will never be able to understand in their soul. That's why people texting me asking, are you all right out there in the dark, brother? Because there's an alchemy afoot in this country. And it can go from laughter to uh, to, to memorial. Oh, yeah. In a split second. Yeah. Oh, no, look. Look, look, no, look, no, no doubt, which is which is one of the reasons why uh, when, you know, when we had this conversation. First of all, y'all, give me a status of Raheem Devon. We still having problems? Okay, here's your... Okay. Uh, all right, so here's the deal. We're going to reschedule Raheem Devon. Since I got y'all, uh, I'm going to spend the last eight minutes with this because I'm, I'm picking up on this here. This is where also this whole defund the police conversation comes from. Uh, when we talk about mental illness, what happens? Uh, we did a story just the other day. Black woman calls the cops. Guess what? Her, her, uh, her brother ends up dead. And what, what you're now dealing with, and, and this is the deal, for white people... The reason they look at the police differently, the police for them are saviors. And even though you got black folks, and I like, like last night I was debating Scott, and he was like, well, black folks uh, want the police too. No, no. Black folks want to be safe just like white folks want to be safe, but black folks don't want to end up dead when we call the cops to protect us. 
right. And that's the whole mm -hmm. deal. This is about mm -hmm. this is about this is about shifting resources away from again the mass policing and outfitting them with military gear and saying no learn to de-escalate learn to have mental health professionals because we are the ones who end up dying when they arrive on the scene because our mere blackness Reese scares the heck out of them so they are automatically oh my goodness the black people i'm automatically tense hand on gun when we simply want to be just like white folks is called to protect and serve right and i think that you know i i i understand the um the slugfest over how to phrase it in this and the other i've said repeatedly for months now I don't care what you want to call it or how you want to rephrase it. I'm interested in the substance and the policy at hand. And I think that's something that President Obama did articulate about having mental health services, for instance, rather than police responding to certain things. I'm going to, of course, like I always do, I'm going to big up my girl, uh, Madam VP-elect Kamala Harris, because this is something that she's been articulating for literally decades. She literally wrote the book Smart on Crime, which was it, which was about redefining public safety and healthy communities without necessarily having an emphasis on over-policing, having an emphasis on mental health, having an emphasis on crime preve prevention, and really getting to the root cause of what it is that is causing these issues. As she said, when she was asked about defund the police um, many times throughout the course of the campaign or throughout the course of this year, that people mistake additional policing for safety. If you go to white suburban communities, they don't have the police presence that you have in, in black or, or poor or whatever kind of communities. I'm not, I'm not equating black and poor. I don't like people do that. But I'm saying in, in more urban, let me put it that way, communities. And so it's really about changing the, 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 the mentality as to where the resources should be going. They should be going to mental health services. Mayor London Breed in um, San Francisco is piloting that sort of thing right now with her initiatives. So there is work that's being done, but I really want us to move beyond these litmus tests and, well, I, unless you're using the words that I want to use, I, I don't want to hear anything you have to say and really move into the substantive policy things because I don't actually think there's a lot of uh, disagreement, at least on the Democratic side, about the policy prescriptions in terms of, like you said, mental health, in terms of crime prevention and things of that nature. But the th and the thing here, Erica, when I was talking about, again, when these incidents happen, when we show these Karens, again, when we even call the cops, we've got to be very leery. I think back to the case out of Illinois mm -hmm. where the brother was a bouncer uh, and, yeah. uh, and and he was he took down a guy involved, had a gun. The cops end up killing the brother and the other cop was yelling, mm -hmm. hey, he's one of us. All he saw was black man gun gotta be the person who's the, who's the uh who's the criminal right Roland and I don't even believe it's fear I just believe that it is really the way um we have constantly always been criminalized so black people are always criminalized so the best way to um take um to um, engage a criminal is to take them down and that's by any means necessary and so until that level of conditioning is taken away until it is not that black people are animals to be hunted, to be trapped, to be um, executed in the public square, then I don't even think that defund the police is even the slogan that there's the issue. The issue lies within the community that it has been infecting 
since 1704. Um, and when you think about the weaponization of police, when you think about communities who are not impacted the way black folks are impacted by police, if folks were really allies, like Dr. Parr talked about, if they were really allies with the community, a slogan wouldn't matter because they would understand that we collectively have lost uncles, mothers, daughters, sisters, brothers over hundreds and hundreds of years. And what we are simply saying is that this collective of people that stemmed out of capturing black people and putting them back into a place of capture, that what we want is to experience a level of freedom to be able to call those people who are taxpayer-funded service in the event that there's an emergency and requires them to show up for duty the way that they do any other non-black communities. And until that is a real conversation that people who are non-black are willing and ready to have, defund the police is not even about the slogan. It's really about the care and the protection of black Americans in this country. That's right. Greg, That's final right. comment to today's show. No, I agree. I mean, I mean, you know, with, with Ayanna Presley, with Cori Bush and them, who have... Uh, uh, said to the 44th president, bruh, silence on this. You know, um, I encourage everybody to go see Reverend Alan Bozak's video of his analysis of the pages that Barack Obama had devoted in his uh, new memoir to Jeremiah Wright bashing again. Because what Bozak does is walk through how it's not helpful. First of all, uh, defund the police isn't a, is, he's, it's not a slogan, bruh. If you there's a well-developed concept behind it, and it's, and it's a lot of policy recommendations, much of which finds its way into the Biden-Harris platform. Some of which, as Reese just said, Obama then goes on to explain. But that ain't what he was doing. When you say something like that, you're moving the blame. Never forget, Mike Brown was killed when Barack Obama was president. Trayvon Martin was killed when Barack Obama was president. He went to the press conference and said, if I had a son, he looked like Trayvon, and had to back up off it because the white nationalists is like, you don't get to say that, boy. Henry Louis Gates was arrested on the porch of his house in Massachusetts. And what did Barack Obama do? He invites the cop to a damn beer summit. Bruh, it's time for you to be quiet on this. Please do, because I haven't lost any respect for him because I had to, have, had to have, have some in the beginning. I know you're a politician, but some people mistake you for a black leader. So when you get up and talk crazy like that, you know, when a, when a white boy busts up into the church in Charleston and slaughters nine people, and then you go to the funeral and sing Amazing Grace like you get some credit for it, when you gonna stop giving out that surplus police equipment like they were using on black and brown people in the streets of Ferguson? That's what sent Cory Bush to the federal legislature. It's time to be quiet until you acknowledge that when people say defund the police, they don't mean get rid of law enforcement. They mean fundamentally transform the relationship of policing to human beings in this country. And when white women and men and old people can be out in the streets in Portland and confront these tanks, when Kyle Rittenhouse slaughters two white men and, and, and harms another one in Kenosha, Wisconsin, in the wake of a death of a black man, that's when we confront this. But until then, 44th president of the United States, be quiet, bro. It's time to fall back. Roland, can I say one thing, though? All right, then. Well, look. Can I, Roland, Roland, yeah, can I say yeah, one thing? Yeah, go ahead, go ahead, Reese. I, I do yeah, want to yeah, say. Yeah, go ahead. I respect that, but I also would like for Bernie Sanders to do the same thing, because Bernie Sanders what? has <laughs> come out against defund the police as a phrase multiple All times. Up, in mm -hmm. in fact, up. in November, he was, saying that he was saying he was against that. So I'm just saying I, what I would like for us to do is to move to a place to where we can manage to find allyship and common ground in our black politicians. And I'm not defending 
President Obama's words. I'm not defending the merits either way of how you want to characterize it. I'm talking about the policy. And it seems to me that we can always seem to find that common ground and that grace for people like Bernie Sanders, who has repeatedly come out against that defund the police. I got smoke for him, and, Reese. All okay, of us. Okay, I'm saying it's all that's because because we because 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 I don't ever hear Bernie shut up. I never hear Bernie what? shut up. I'm just saying. Look, look, I, you, mean, you, you, you mean somewhere other than here? I'm not. Well, well, you know, I always got the smoke for Bernie, but I'm just saying in terms of it was a lot of people that had a lot of smoke for uh, for for President Obama that had mm. no smoke. I'm not saying you, Dr. Carr, but I'm saying a lot of people, a lot of blue checks, a lot of politicians, and they were bird box in November and July and June when uh, when Bernie Sanders was on CNN saying that he doesn't know he doesn't know very many people who want to defund the police. That's all I'm saying. I just want to put that out there. But let's come together yeah. because we agree on the substance. We agree on the policy. And let's let's Absolutely. just make sure we stay in energy. Absolutely. All right, folks, we will leave it there. Reese, uh, Erica, Greg, we certainly appreciate it. Thanks a lot, folks. Don't forget, uh, we'll be broadcasting tomorrow right here from Georgia. Uh, we're going to be following some folks uh, who are canvassing, going door-to-door, registering people. The deadline to register in Georgia is Monday, December 7th, this weekend on Saturday. That's going to be a joint OSOF-Warnock rally. Also, the debates this weekend. Uh, OSOF is going to be debating an empty podium because David Perdue has refused to attend the debate at the Atlanta Press Club, will be there, and Raphael Warnock will be debating Senator Kelly Leffler uh, on Sunday. Uh, so, folks, uh, we're going to be uh, here uh, pr- bringing you all sorts of reporting. And let me just go ahead and say it, because it's true, ain't no other black media outlet doing what we're doing. Let me go ahead and say that. I'm talking about on the ground, real reporting, talking to people, bringing you these these events live. Because guess what? We can't wait on somebody else to do it. That's why we created this platform. That's why we are here. And we appreciate all of you who have supported us financially to make this possible because your dollars have made it possible for us to be able to come here with our crews, be able to cover these things. Uh, and that's why it's important. And so we're going to be here again, uh, talking to various groups, talking to people uh, who, are, who are out here going to rural Georgia. We, we ain't going to be just staying here in Atlanta. Trust me, we're going to be going all across this state uh, between now and January 5th bringing you the various perspectives that are happening here in the state of Georgia. So again, cash out, dollar sign RM unfiltered, paypal.me forward slash R Martin unfiltered, venmo.com forward slash RM unfiltered, Zelle, uh, just send it, you can send, use the email, Roland at rolandsmartin.com. And of course, you can send the money order to New Vision Media, NU Vision Media, Inc., 1625 K Street Northwest, Suite 400, Washington, D.C., 2006. Uh, don't forget, subscribe to our YouTube channel. We are a few, are we only 4,000 away from 700,000. Turn on those notifications uh, as well. All right, folks, I will see y'all tomorrow from Georgia. Y'all take care. And Greg, of course, you know to, you know what tomorrow is, Greg. Oh, happy birthday, bro. Happy early birthday. <laughs> you know what I say? I love my A5. I love my A5. See, I don't want to hurt nobody's feelings. See, I know these, I know these little cute little megas and sigmas and kappas and our olders out oh, there. But I don't want to hurt nobody's feelings. Somebody had to go first, bro. All, all to go I gotta, first. 
All I, all I got to say, Greg, to all the rest of y'all out there, I'm going to leave y'all with this one slogan. And I think Greg, being the chair of the Department of, of Afro-American Studies at Howard University, will appreciate this. The one chant we always had, we said, we party all night, we stay up late, but most of all, alphas graduate. You graduate. Everybody can't say that. Can't say that, Everybody bro. can't say that. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Are you looking for the perfect move in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.